Hello, this is Yolanda Murphy, and welcome to this Exceptional Journey podcast, where you will find inspiration to live courageously through adversity, empowerment to live freely despite your past, and ignition to live boldly in your purpose, all by walking the survivor's side of life. Good People, what is up? It is your girl, Yolanda Murphy, back with another episode of this exceptional journey. Uh, As you've heard from the previous podcast, it is in fact Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week. Um, If you've not heard the last previous podcast, let me just fill you in. Uh, Basically, all week we are celebrating the Young Adult Cancer Perspective. Um, You're going to hear from different uh, people, their stories, um, what they went through facing young adult cancer and how life is for them right now. I am so, so excited for the guests that I have on today, my girl Liz. I mean, what else can I say? She's like a super advocate. She's in all the spaces doing all the things, which I absolutely love because I'm doing the same, which is how we met. Um, I'm going to let her tell a little bit of her story. Uh, but before we get started, please, 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 as always, find me on any social platform that you are on, uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram, you can find me at This Exceptional Journey. Um, and then on Twitter, you can find me at TEJ Podcast. Uh, please use the hashtag TEJ Podcast as well so we can stay connected. This week is very important to me because as you all know, I'm also a young adult cancer survivor. So you know, I want everyone to stay connected. I want this conversation to keep going because these stories need to be heard and it's necessary. Okay, cool. So let's dive right in. Liz, how are you, girl? I'm good. How are you? Girl, I am good. Uh, I'm excited again. Thank you for uh, allowing me to record your story today. Um, And just so you all know as well, uh, Liz is going to read a piece today that she wrote, but it's also on the blog, which you can find at thisexceptionaljourney.com. Uh, but Liz, tell us a little bit about you, your your history. How'd you get into get into young adult cancer? <laughs> um, go ahead, tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, and I'm currently 45 years old. So I'm a little out of that age range, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. at the point of my diagnosis, I was like right on the edge of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably should have been diagnosed with my cancer around 37, 38, Mm. but because I don't fit the bladder cancer mold Mm. of being an older chain smoking Caucasian male, right? Uh, and women in general with bladder cancer do not present the same as men do. And most mm. of the literature and the studies have all been based on male men. experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me about two to three years to actually get someone to listen to me mm. and get my diagnosis. So I was 40, a couple months shy of beating, being 41. And I finally like burst into tears in the emergency room Mm. with a physician's assistant who was like, 
you're being released with medications. And I'm like, again, and I just lost it. It's like, I'm exhausted. I've been here before. This is not getting better. They wanted to tell me, you know, UTIs and bladder infections are pretty common. Like they Mm. go away with meds. Here you go, go away. Like come back if it doesn't go away. I'm like, no, this is me coming back already. Mm-hmm. It's not going away. This is getting worse. Something is wrong with me. Mm-hmm. It is your job to figure it out. Not Absolutely. Mine. Absolutely. And when she was going to discharge me again with meds, I'm like, at least is there a referral to a urologist on there? Like, I don't know where to go, who to turn to. Like, that's something someone in their 30s shouldn't have to worry about. So right. I know nothing about that. Absolutely. And she was like, no, there's no referral. And I just like burst into tears. And she was like, this is not a normal response. I was like, yeah, it shouldn't be at this point. Like mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I can't sleep through the night. I am urinating blood clots, whether you all believe me or not, because you can't do that on cue. Mm-hmm. I'm in pain and miserable and exhausted. And I want somebody to figure out what's wrong with me. So she actually did a little digging and went back and looked in my chart and then gave me a referral to three urologists Mm, and said, go with whoever can get you in the soonest. Unfortunately, the first one had a cancellation for the following day. I was like, I'll take it. Absolutely. And I went in and she was like, whoever told you, you just have a UTI or a bladder infection. Mm. They're out of their mind. There is nothing in what's been done that points to infection. And I can't tell what's going on from what's been done, but I promise you we're going to get to the bottom of it. So a week and a half later, I had a cystoscopy Mm. and um, two days after I had the cystoscopy, I got my diagnosis and it all kind of tumbled from there. And Mm. I had a radical cystectomy with a radical hysterectomy and a stoma placement, which in layman's terms means I had my bladder, ovaries, fallopian tubes, uterus, pelvic lymph nodes, and Um, part of my cervix all removed they took a piece of my intestines and rerouted the plumbing from my kidneys to a surgical hole in my abdomen and I now live with a urostomy appliance on my abdomen all day every day and that's how I expel urine I don't have a bladder and um, I had some complications from that. So it was a long hospital stay, bouncing back and forth from the hospital to a rehab facility. Mm-hmm. Then I had chemo and I had one of the strongest cocktails they're allowed to give. Wow. So I was taken down to my knees, literally and figuratively, and um, had to have a transfusion at one point. And ever since then, I've kind of been rebuilding Um, my strength and energy and getting back into my new normal Uh with everything. And um, I kind of started doing advocacy for bladder cancer and ostomy awareness first. And then um, I got introduced to a few people through some other things that I was doing and ended up um, advocating in the young adult space as well. 
Absolutely. And that's how we met. Yes. Um, through some awesome people who shall remain nameless. <laughs> um, but thank you for sharing that. Wow, wow, wow. Um, see guys, I told you she's amazing, right? Like even through all of that, she still advocates for others. Um, and you know, if you're not new to the podcast, you know, that's the reason why I do what I do. Um, is that a lot of times we're not listened to, we're sent away, or we're told we're too young, or if we're a woman, that can't happen. Uh, so many times we hear those words, and unfortunately, in a lot of the young adult spaces we're in, we hear that over and over and over. I mean, of course, who thinks a 30-something-year-old is going to have cancer? I mean, you just don't think about it. Especially but, bladder cancer. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but still we have to self-advocate. We have to use our voices. Hence why Liz is here today. Um, so thank you for sharing that Liz. Um, so I'm going to have you read your piece. Um, if you don't mind, um, guys, please listen to this. This is amazing. Go ahead, Liz, whenever you're ready. When I was fighting for two years prior to receiving my bladder cancer diagnosis, I knew something was wrong. I knew it. The ER docs kept running tests and saying there were no signs of infection, yet still, I was supposed to believe that I had a UTI or a bladder infection. Repeatedly. I questioned it repeatedly. Still, I brushed it off. I, I, I was brushed off, rather. Excuse me. I remember asking, don't those things resolve with medications? This is not resolving. It's getting worse well, just try this and come back if it doesn't go away, I was nonchalantly told. I pleaded that this was me already coming back. How is this the patient's responsibility to figure out what is wrong with them? Oh, it's not, but apparently it's not the medical teams either. Unfortunately, this is the story of many women and minorities who experience bladder cancer. Historically, studies and most clinical information about bladder cancer are based on the experience of elderly, chain-smoking Caucasian men. Nothing has been considered with the experiences of women who have slightly different urinary systems, which would obviously mean that symptoms would be experienced differently. One ER physician had the balls to assume that the blood clots I was urinating were a result of my menstrual cycle. He laughed at me when I told him that if he had blood clots traveling through his urethra, he would know it. Yes, there were choice words included in what I said. I had no idea that bladder cancer was even a thing. I had begged for a referral to a urologist. The urology team thought I was crazy for not seeking help sooner and were shocked when I said I'd been trying to get help for years. By the time I was diagnosed in August 2016, I had stage 3B bladder cancer with a T4 tumor that was grapefruit-sized, growing through my bladder wall and attaching to my cervix, partially blocking my left kidney from draining correctly. I was floored. I vaguely remember sitting in the exam room when I received the diagnosis. The doctor filling in for a vacationing colleague did his best. He earnestly looked me in the eyes and said, there's no easy way to say this, so I'm just gonna come right out and say it. You have bladder cancer. 
everything else was said in the next half hour sounded like the adults in the peanut cartoons. I intellectually knew what was being said, but nothing was sinking in. Thank goodness I had a loved one with me. The next eight months, there were a lot of ups and downs as I fought for my life, a radical system cystectomy with a radical hysterectomy, removal of my pelvic lymph nodes, and stoma placement for a permanent urostomy. In layman's terms, I don't have a bladder, reproductive organs, or pelvic lymph nodes, and the doctors created a hole in my abdomen, so I constantly pee into a bag now. Once I recovered from that massive procedure, I had three months of dense-dose MVAC chemotherapy. I literally and figuratively was taken to my knees with all of this. From there, I began to build my life back up. I will never again accept passivity from a medical professional. They will hear me out and take my concerns seriously or be fired from my care team. People, doctors work for us, not the other way around. Yes, they are professionals and have gone through the training, but if they are not listening to you, taking your concerns into account, running appropriate testing, including you in discussions and figuring out what is wrong, fire them. Take your business elsewhere. That is 100% your right. Another thing I want people to learn is that you are not your organs. So many people in the bladder cancer community progress to stage four and lose their lives because they resist getting rid of their organs. People live with ostomies all the time. If you have an ostomy, you may die with the ostomy, but not because of an ostomy. You can live a long life and have a good quality of life without a bladder and with a urostomy. In fact, ladies, losing your reproductive organs is not the end of the world either. Things just may look a little differently or play out differently than you planned. You cannot be there for your loved ones or raised children if you sacrifice your life for unnecessary body parts. To me, it's plain and simple, but I know it is not viewed that way by all. Why fight to have children that you will never get to raise? You must be alive first and foremost. If your doctor is suggesting bladder removal for a bladder cancer, there are reasons for that. Trust them. If you do not trust your doctor, you should not continue to see them. Next up, be kind and gentle with yourself. Cancer, regardless of type, does not just end when treatment does. There are physical and emotional issues that continue some will eventually be resolved. Some may continue for the remainder of your life. Healing from and dealing with the physical aspects is the obvious thing and is usually handled first. The mental and emotional things come later, take longer, and usually require assistance and sometimes new tools. You should be prepared to be forced into a position of attempting to explain to people in your life just what you are going through and what you have been through. They may not really understand any of it and you may even lose people over your diagnosis. You are not responsible for how other people respond to what you've been through. And you must be patient with yourself and give yourself time to heal from everything. 
you are only responsible for yourself. Lastly, your diagnosis may change your life, but it does not have to define your life. You may change how you do things. It may change your energy. There are things that cancer can change. However, you can still accomplish anything you want in your life. Depending on diagnosis and the type of treatments you have, you may require some extra planning to make sure that you have the physical aids and accommodations that you need, but you can still do whatever you want. I am living proof. I am now almost five years from diagnosis, almost five years cancer-free. Life has thrown me some curveballs, even without counting bladder cancer, but I'm still here and still tackling big things. The road to get here was more scenic than planned, but I have no regrets, only lessons. I choose to have a positive perspective and see the silver linings. I choose to not let cancer win and steal the best parts of me and the life I want. You can too. Girl, my goodness. Now, guys, you see, right? You see it here. (laughs) Why Liz is on the freaking podcast, okay? So, oh my goodness, when I read this, I resonated with so much of it, like just so much of it. So first of all, you go girl, standing up for yourself, like you said, not taking passivity, you know, from anyone, because like you said, they, we hired them. Like, yeah. it's not that I'm, I'm not at your beck and call. You know what I mean? Like you are on my team. Yeah. Um, I, and I will never go back to any of the doctors I saw pre-diagnosis. Mm. Um, everybody who is on my current medical team, cancer related or not, mm. has been strongly referred to me by other doctors or other medical professionals. Mm. Absolutely. And that's important. You have to be comfortable because like you said, when you have cancer, that's not it. Like, I don't care how many years it is. It might look different as the years go on, but you live with either side effects, um, physically fit, maybe physical scars. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it doesn't just go away just because you have surgery or just because you do chemo. Um, and you, that team has to be who you trust for the duration. Um, so let me ask you this. I want to hit on these points really quick, um, that you gave, uh, you know, in regards to what life is, you know, after cancer or during a cancer diagnosis or journey. So let's talk about this first. Okay. We are not our organs. Hello. Hello. So I, listen, I never, you know, try to tell people how to feel or, you know, I always tell people, feel your feels, you know, have your feelings about whatever is going on. Um, I know some people, I mean, me personally, and I think I've said it before um, on here that at this juncture, I I biologically could not have children as it stands uh, because of the chemo and because of my age, you know, all of this. If I were, it would be God's miracle, okay? And I would take it. But um, as it stands biologically right now, because of everything that my body has gone through, it's a very slim chance, let's put it that way. Uh, And I know some women, who have other, you know, diagnoses or diseases or what have you, and they feel the same. Um, and they're like holding on there. And, and don't get me wrong if that's what you want, but we have to face reality. I, I am all for people going through their grieving process mm-hmm. in their time and in their space. Yep. But at the end 
of the day mm-hmm. of life, right. not just the day, the day of life. At the end right. of the day of life, like, are you going to hang up living? Yep. To hold on to what can't happen. Yep. And for me, whether it's a bladder or part of your intestines or your reproduction, like, don't hang on to those things. Mm-hmm. Like, if it is between you continuing to live. And you having children live because there's other ways you can have children. There's other ways you can have children. Yeah. And, um, I never wanted kids personally. Mm. I purposely chose to be child-free and even at age 40, when I was diagnosed, they were wanting to know if I wanted to preserve my reproduction. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. like I'm 40 years old I'm not in a relationship mm-hmm. and I'm not going to start having children now like my life takes precedence mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. some organs absolutely I would have to be alive to raise any kids even if I wanted to have them right right I take great joy in being Miss Auntie Liz yes to all my <laughs> friends kids yep I get to come in and be the whirlwind of fun Mm. and have chocolate fountain for lunch. And then I go home. Exactly. (laughs) Listen, I tell people all the time, I just had a birthday. I turned 42 and uh, I want children. um, But like you said, I'm not in a relationship right now. I have a lot going on in life that is amazing things, you know, um, but I love being able to pick them up and drop them off. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have, I have six godchildren. I have two nephews. I have a little sister. She's a teenager now, but still like I can pick them up and take them back home to their mama. Okay. And I love it. Like you said, give chocolate all day and you guys have to worry about the crash <laughs> and the hyperactivity. I'm going home to, as my grandmother said, used to say, I'm going home to my quiet house. Okay. Um, <laughs> But I think that that so resonates because I think with us realizing we're not our organs is that it really makes us have to face reality, number one. And then, like you said, you have to live. And whatever your best life looks like for you, you have to realize sometimes it might not be what it look, what you want it to look like or what you want it to be, but you still have to live after a diagnosis. You still have to live after there might be some life-saving procedures that might take away some things that you wanted to keep, but you still have to live your best life as, 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 as you see fit. Um, so that definitely resonated with me. Um, cause my doctor right after I finished chemo, um, cause I was diagnosed at 36. And so I finished chemo at 37 cause I had a birthday that year. So here's my doctor, he's coming in um, and he's like, all right, so we're, are, do you, we're going to get rid of everything. Right. I'm like, what? He was like, oh, you don't have kids. I said, no, I do not. Then it was a completely different tune. I was like, let me at least ponder it for a minute. Like, let me, you know, but he gave me that option. But like you said, if he would have told me they needed to go, baby, take them. If it means I'm still going to be alive, if it still means I'm going to be able to live life to the fullest and, and still advocate and do all the things I want. I'm not going to hold on to them, please. Yeah, I, my doctor, uh, the first question I asked him when I met with my urology oncology surgeon, he 
I said, you know, I haven't heard of this procedure before. Mm -hmm. What's the game plan? Can you kind of briefly walk me through what you want to do? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, due to the size and the placement of the tumor, I want to take out your bladder, um, your reproductive organs, and your pelvic lymph nodes and place a stoma for a urostomy. I said, okay, as if he asked me, do you want another cup of coffee? <laughs> and his jaw hit the floor mm. and he didn't know how to respond. Like I could tell that he was expecting some pushback on the organs mm -hmm. and a coworker of mine who was a nurse was sitting next to me and she's trying not to laugh. So then I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> and I went through that whole thing. Like I'm not in a relationship. I don't have kids. I never wanted kids. I'm 40 years old with no perspectives. Mm -hmm. Like I did have geriatric eggs as it is anyway. Right. Exactly. Like I am not going to jeopardize my survival by holding on to organs that I don't want or need. I would have had a hysterectomy at 20 if they would have let me because my cycles were so horrible. Mm. I was happy to get rid of those things. If you want them, take, take them. them. Donate them to science, do whatever you want. Right. I don't care because I'm not using them. I'm not using them. I'm <laughs> done with them. Yes. And that's, that's the reality. You faced your reality head on and was like, mm -hmm. okay, that's fine. Cause I'd rather live and still be here to see life and to enjoy fresh air and nope, take them. I'm good. So I love it. Love, 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 love that point. Um, and then let's talk about this one. Be kind and gentle with yourself. Oh, so many times I had to tell myself that going through my process. It, um, it's one I struggle with too, mm -hmm. but it's also one that even like normal people who don't go through a cancel str yes. struggle with. Exactly. Like, you really have to stop and mm -hmm. think like I would be sitting in chemo after I had, I had been hospitalized for two months after my surgery between mm. the hospital and rehab. And I'd sit in chemo and I was like in a wheelchair when I had to go get my treatments because I couldn't walk that far mm. and couldn't stand long enough. Mm -hmm. And I would see these people that were old enough to be my grandparents. Mm -hmm dressed makeup on if it was a woman laughing storytelling nurses would ask them what they're doing after treatment and they're like oh i'm gonna meet my friends for lunch or we're gonna go spend time with the grandkids and i was like yeah i'm gonna go home and crash and fall asleep in my recliner mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like absolutely I had to learn not to compare myself to other people mm -hmm. because their cancers and their treatments were different than what I was getting. Mm -hmm. And I had to continuously remind myself, like, what were you doing two months ago? Mm -hmm. You were laying in a bed, hooked up to all sorts of equipment, mm -hmm. fighting for your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the, the, another key point you, you said was you can't compare. Mm -hmm. uh, although, and then, you know, there are some people that say, well, you're young and you know, someone for my birthday, they were like, you're still a baby. I said, I'm still a what? I mean, compared to my mom and dad's age. Yes. Like I still have like, of course, but I'm not a spring chicken baby. Like I'm not right. in my twenties. I'm not in my thirties. But like you said, you can't compare and contrast because even then 
you know, like your diagnosis might be different. The chemo you are, you're taking might be different. Um, how it affects your organs and your body, you know, could be different. Uh, so key points, key points, you have to be gentle and then you have to be realistic with where you are because you just can't say, okay, I'm going through chemo and that's cool. That's cool. Um, because if that's what we have to do, you know, that's what we have to do, but you have to be realistic. If you're not feeling good, um, you don't have to put up a front, which leads me to my next point. You are only responsible for you. When you said your diagnosis may change your life. It doesn't have to define your life. First of all, mind blown. Okay. Because I say that all the time when I was first diagnosed and um, was part of yes, you, uh, for those of you that don't know, Liz and I are also part of a support group to, uh, called YASU, Young Adult Survivors United, led by the amazing Stephanie Scaletti. Uh, she's been on the podcast. She will be back, FYI. Uh, she's but fabulous. She's like ridiculously amazing. Like she's an angel on earth. Like I just love her. Um, but one of my first support groups when we were able to, of course, meet in, in physical times, <laughs> um, I said to people like breast cancer is just a chapter in my life. Like it's not the book, um, it is not the novel, although some novels might come from the journey, it is, not, it is not my life. It does not define who I am. Now, does it help shape how I walk life? Yes, um, because I want it to be an advocate much like you know both of you and I are, but it's not my life. It's, I'm not walking around with, you know how they used to do scarlet letter. Mm -hmm. I'm not walking around with breast cancer on my chest. Like, that's not me. It's a part of me. But when you yeah, say it's it not branded on us any exactly. I, I mean, not... mine is a little bit, but it's just a little different. But still, you don't look like what you've gone through. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so when you said that, but then you also said you are responsible for yourself. You can't be responsible for anyone else's hangups, hookups, emotions, highs, lows. You have to focus on you. That comes with also being gentle with yourself because if you get so caught up and, and again, everyone's different because of course we all come from different backgrounds. We were all raised different, but at the end of the day, when it comes to you being a young adult um, or a little older young adult uh, being diagnosed with cancer, you're in the fight of your life. Like you don't have time emotionally or mentally worrying you know what I mean about what other people think of you because you have to fight you have to fight for your life um yeah. I had a conversation with a friend of mine um after I had finished treatment and gone mm. back to work and we were talking about everything and she was like really I think for you like you're so strong and determined and naturally optimistic that it's just gonna be another chapter of your life. Yeah, you may do advocacy and be involved in stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just another chapter in your life. And I don't think for you, she said, that the bladder cancer part is gonna be the biggest impact. I think for you, the biggest impact and obstacle to get through is the ostomy part. Mm. And she was right about that because mm -hmm. that has caused some, some challenges physically, just because the nature of the surgery right, right. can be so traumatic to a person's body that you lose some things through that. Mm. But also because 
Like I have that chance, knock wood, to be NED, no evidence of disease mm-hmm. for the remainder of my life. So the bladder cancer part's going to kind of fade out a little bit more, but I have to deal with the ostomy all day, every day. Right, right. There's stuff that comes along with the journey. Yeah. Um, and it's so fitting, uh, you know, so in the previous podcast episode, um, I discussed how, you know, what the prompts were going to be and kind of how I was laying out young adult, you know, cancer awareness week and what it would look like. So people would have um, an idea um, and, and how everyone that will be on the podcast, you know, kind of volunteer and said, I want to tell my story. This is, this is what I want people to know. Um, so one of the prompts uh, of which Liz wrote for was if I could tell people you know, that are going through what I've been through, some things to help them along the way, this is what I would tell them. Um, And you hit it right nail on the head, nail on the head. Not only are we not our organs, (laughs) we cannot be passive with the team that we hired, you know, because we have to self-advocate as loud as we need to in order to be heard. Um, And then as well, be kind and gentle. Uh, You have to give yourself grace. I always say that to people, like I've learned if nothing else in this process, because unfortunately, um, growing up, my mom was a perfectionist, still is, you know, one of those moms like, oh, you didn't do it right. I'll do it myself. Okay, that's fine. But I <laughs> now adopted those things, um, unfortunately. So I'm like cleaning everything all the time. And my friends are like, why does it smell like bleach in here? I'm like, guys, I just had to clean, okay? But, um, but what came along with that during my breast cancer journey was me realizing, babe, stop like, stop. It does not have to be perfect. It does not have to even really be anything. Just chill. Um, finding that space to give myself grace. So definitely hit the nail on the head there. And I'm responsible for me. I learned that on my journey as well. I can't be responsible for how you feel. I'm in a good head space. That's really what matters. And then lastly, your diagnosis will not define you. It doesn't define you. Um, I can't tell you. And like you said, Liz, even through kind of breast cancer, also almost five years, no evidence of disease, it kind of fades in the back, but you still live with the other things. So although even that cancer diagnosis didn't define me, for you physically, you have the ostomy, um, you know, for some others, maybe that or scars or whatever, Um, but it doesn't have to define how you live your life, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to define your quality of life, um, because you don't have the organs. Okay. I'm still living. I'm still breathing. I can still laugh and have fun and enjoy the company of others and advocate the way I want to and need to for others. Oh, there were just so many good nuggets in here, Liz. (laughs) So many good nuggets. Oh, and you hit it. Like I said, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, and I know for sure, I know for certain a lot of people, will be blessed by this. A lot of people will take these nuggets and run with them because they're needed and they are necessary. So thank you for sharing. No problem. I'm happy to do it anytime. Absolutely. She'll be back on guys. Don't worry about it. She'll be back on. We're going to do another recording. We'll probably just do a group and we'll just start talking about stuff. As you, as you all know, I love to talk anyway. So uh, Liz, this has been amazing. I almost hate to end our conversation, but I know, you know, it is yet a day (laughs) that we have stuff to do. So um, guys, please show Liz some love. Where can we find you, Liz? Um, Social, websites, blog, what have you. 
I am on all social media. Uh, you can look me up under my name, Liz Hiles, H-I-L-E-S, or you can look for the screen name, Your Ostomy, Y-O-U-R-O-S-T-O-M-Y. Awesome. Awesome. And um, all of this information will also be in the uh, show notes of the podcast. So contingent upon where you're watching or listening, um, it'll be in the um, description as well. So please, everyone, show Liz some love. Um, if you know of anyone that needs any bladder cancer or ostomy um, resources, she's your girl. Um, definitely hit her up. She's a wealth of knowledge. Um, and she definitely does not play when it comes to advocacy, which is why I love her so much because I'm the same way. Um, but again, Liz, thank you so, so much uh, for being on the podcast. Again, you will be back. So guys, don't worry, you'll see her again. Um, but any closing thoughts that you want to share? I, I just want to kind of just reiterate that you really just need, like, do your own research. Mm -hmm like your path through whatever cancer you're experiencing does not have to automatically be whatever the first doctor says. Mm -hmm. Like you can get a second opinion. You can do your own research. You can even search for your own clinical trials. Mm -hmm. If that's the route you want to go, I usually strongly suggest that if it comes down to you trying things when there's an obvious clear answer with losing an organ mm -hmm. go ahead and lose that organ if you don't need it to survive bye-bye mm -hmm. like a lot of people i mean kind of the ostomy world and the cancer world are a little bit the same like it's the coolest club you never ever wanted to belong to right 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 <laughs> absolutely so, so losing an organ, having cancer, like, yes, it's, it's a horrible thing. It's traumatic to your body physically. It's traumatic to you and your loved ones, emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. but you can get through it. And you're going to meet some amazing people along the way. Absolutely. Utilize Absolutely. those resources, bring people in. Don't be afraid to get to know new people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, Listen, I, um, for my birthday, you know how you reflect and, you know, mm -hmm. do those things as you get older. Uh, but I was literally reflecting uh, the other day on how like breast cancer really brought some amazing people to my life um, that if I never had breast cancer, I would have never met them like lifelong friends like you and Stephanie, we were talking about and others mm -hmm. um, that I know long-term like not only will we be advocates together, not only will we be resources for, you know, our own communities for one another, but I'll just be like, Hey girl, how you doing? You good? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I absolutely love it. Exactly. I love it. I, love it. I, I had an amazing relationship for only a year with someone who I met in the chemo suite. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, she, she was around my parents' age, so she was in her sixties. Mm. and had lung cancer and unfortunately had a horrible recurrence that mm. very quickly took her out okay. but because 
I got to spend so many great times within that year with her Mm -hmm. that I have some great memories from that time, even from when I was in treatment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. was a silver lining during treatment because we could sit together and chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then um, I also gained a friend and her daughter who lives out in California now. So even now that my friend has passed, I'm still communicating with her daughter and we both help each other keep her memory alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's really what's important because unfortunately in this game, we do lose people, but it's still those memories. It's still those connections that get you going. So absolutely. Liz, thank you again uh, for being on. Um, Everyone show her some love. And uh, until next time, I will catch you guys walking the survivor side of life. Peace.